This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. With the second pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky stepping up, fires down the sideline, Robinson makes the catch. From the Raiders to the Bears, Khalil Mack, now officially in Chicago. Brought down, Khalil Mack. Welcome to the Chicago Shuffle Podcast on a Sunday night. With a couple of glasses of wine. Ricky, how many beers have you had before we start? Uh, I just opened my first beer of the night. It's at, I'm at my parents' house, and this is the only beer in the house, which, oh. uh, you know, not enough for me tonight after watching yet another extremely embarrassing effort for the Chicago Bears in a primetime game. Yep. Uh, I think that's the order of the day. The Bears just lost to the Green Bay Packers 41-23. Uh, to 23. Is that the final score? 25. Is it 25? 25. Yeah, don't forget the two-point conversion and garbage time. Ricky, um, I want to start here. It's not a good place to start, but let's start there. Next week, would you like to see Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles? Very interesting question. So I could go a couple different ways. I actually think Trubisky is a better fit for the offense than Foles, as long as you know Trubisky's healthy. Foles' total uh, inability to move within the pocket, I think, really handicaps the team. But it seems like uh, pretty much a certainty that Trubisky is not going to be on the team next year, regardless of what happens. And Foles will be on the team next year, regardless of what happens uh, because of his contract structure. So I guess when you put it that way, I suppose you would rather just run out Foles and get all the tape on him. You can just so that you can assess your options going into next season, because uh, Mitch isn't going to be back regardless of what happens. But uh, I certainly enjoy watching Mitch much more than I enjoy watching Foles, and uh, we'll get into this, but, you know, if I was listing the the culprits for tonight's loss, I mean, it's just so much deeper than Trubisky. Obviously, the quarterback's going to get a lot of blame, but uh, this was a full team loss. This was not even close to a game that Mitch Trubisky, you know, single-handedly blew, at least in my estimation. Hmm. I mean, look, it, it's a team-wide failure. Uh, you don't lose... 41 to 25 and it wasn't remotely that close the the ongoing series of of bears final scores this year that make you if you're just checking box scores and looking at results and maybe even youtube highlights you go you know uh hasn't gone great uh not trying to argue different but um there's some things to point to 
But if you actually watch the game, you realize that about 95% of the Bears' offense comes in garbage time. Uh, J.J. Stankovitz responded to a tweet of mine just before the end of the game uh, saying that, that the Bears have scored 15 of their 18 touchdowns this season uh, when they were behind. So the, it's a non-functional offense. Uh, they were down 28-3 to before there was really any opportunity to do anything else. So they're out of the game plan pretty much week to week, and then there's going to be very soft coverages and a lot of jovial standing around on the opposing sideline as the Bears – you know, bring themselves a little bit closer uh, every single week. I, you said you don't blame Mitch for this necessarily, and I don't disagree that there's a lot of blame to go around. But he's bad in the pocket. He uh, he misses routine throws or uh, you know opportunities to run after catch. Guys are falling down. I think Allen Robinson like presupposed that he wasn't going to have room to run after one catch tonight and just kind of fell down uh, because he's so used to catching Mitch throws. He just can't see the field. And so despite the fact, if you look at the statistics, uh, Mitch had like a decent night. Uh, he had two interceptions that very likely and probably should have been three. And then I'm going to like take the fumble off his ledger since he had his dick punched and his face <laughs> face mask pulled twice on the same play going in. So sure, like we'll, we'll take that one away. But, um, you know, for every good play, uh, maybe even two good plays he makes, he makes one terrible throw and one horrific read it's just not a functional nfl quarterback yeah i mean he's not good does anyone is anyone you know saying mitch trubisky is good i don't think that that person really exists anymore i'll say that uh you know will mitch trubisky go on to find success with another nfl team after he leaves the bears i would be absolutely shocked floored i would say like 99.9 percent chance no so i mean i want to disagree right now trey burton is an effective nfl uh tight end adam shaheen has three touchdowns this season mike davis is a starting effective uh, and if you have a fantasy team a damn good running back to have it would not surprise me to see him go to a mcveigh shanahan some kind of true offensive guru uh, tell him that, you know, with an effective offensive line and run game that, that you know, he can work with. I'm not saying he's going to turn into some pro bowler, but I think we can absolutely see a better version of Mitch Trubisky, not on the Bears. Well, I just think he's bad, but he, I do he think is. there's there's You're talent right. there. There's some talent there. Uh, but I think like, you know, what Mitch showcased tonight in spots is sort of what we know we've known all along, which is that like there are some things he's good at. There's a lot of things he's bad at. I think the current coaching staff has not really developed him in any noticeable way. I think they've misused him in a lot of ways, specifically last year when it seemed like, uh, you know, part of the game plan was to make Mitch a pocket passer and not let him get out on the run. And really Terrible. what handicaps Mitch more than anything else is that I think he's a very low IQ football player. And it seems like, you know, whenever the discussion about Mitch comes around, we always say, well, he's a sweet boy. He's a sweet guy. And it's like, man, I just I don't know if uh, if anyone else is like getting this level of the benefit of the doubt as Mitch is. And I like Mitch. Like, it's not his fault that Ryan Pace traded up to take him number two over Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Right. Like uh, he didn't really do anything to, you know, earn these comparisons for the rest of his life. It's just, you know, the fact of the matter, he's just not good enough uh 
but I thought he he played okay tonight. Like you know, if I was going down the list of things that really offended me to my core about tonight's game, <laughs> that's a to- great place to start. The total inability to stop the run. I just did the quick math. I think the Packers averaged four point seven yards her rushing attempt, which isn't huge, but I mean, they had 39 carries for 182 yards. It just seemed like they were gashing the bears every single time uh, on the run. That was very frustrating. Obviously, Noah Keem Hicks plays a big factor. And then, you know, I think Rogers uh, was the recipient of one of the worst roughing the passer calls I've ever seen in my life. It gave the Packers a first down on their first drive of the game. Uh, they end up scoring a touchdown on that drive, of course. I do not know if Rodgers was even touched by the Bears' defense so, the rest of the time in terms of the pass rush. The statistics are that the Bears had eight hurries, zero hits, zero sacks. For a team that has spent most of their salary cap on defense and predicated that on being the strength of the team, it's sort of unforgivable uh, and fireable all up and down the, the roster, as well as uh, up into the front office. Um, you can't have it. And I really can't explain the performance tonight. Uh, they're coming off of a bye. Obviously, Akeem Hicks isn't there. I understand that, but it's just one player, and you have to be able to move on from that. There's a lot of teams with a lot of injuries, and they seem to be able to um, still play competitive football when, when a guy goes out. They uh, So they don't touch Rodgers. They give up 41 points tonight. Uh, you could say it's 35 or 34, given that there was a um, a fumble a fumble picked up and taken into the end zone on offense. But they can't stop the run, like you said. Uh, they the third down conversions are absurd. They're just absolutely obscene tonight. And I'm delaying so that I can pick it up and tell you at what it actually is. Uh, Rogers goes 21 to 29, and then. Third down conversions, uh, yeah, six of eleven, six of eleven, and three for three on fourth down. And so, if you look at the yardage, and we were talking about this a little bit before we got on, that if you look at the yardage and the statistical comparisons, you go, you know, this actually looks like a really close game. The Bears outpassed the the Packers. They sixty five plays to sixty eight for the Pack, three hundred and fifty one yards, which is a damn good day for the Bears on just about any Sunday and 393 for the Packers. But that's the thing. It's all about the context of where those yards came. And even Tarico, I, I did enjoy the end of the, the broadcast where for some reason, Tony Dungy took up the mantle of like the, the coach of an eight year old pop Warner team looking for like positive things and trying to pat people on the butt as they played out garbage time. Meanwhile, Tarico seems like a secret Chicago bears fan where he's just like, do these things even matter though? Are we just like putting shine on, you know, like putting lipstick on a pig, like these things don't matter. It doesn't matter that they go down and score 14 points uh, when they're down, you know, 41 to 10. Like it doesn't matter. You can't evaluate anything or any performance based on that. So why even talk about it? Like it's a great thing. You could say David Montgomery had 103 yards uh, and that's wonderful. He did have a great run to begin the game. But it doesn't matter. It's 11 carries for 103 yards and a complete blowout loss. So what are we really talking about here? Yeah, I fully agree. And, you know, the thing I keep coming back to is that it just looked so effortless for Rodgers. And Rodgers only ended the game, as you alluded to, with 211 yards passing. He was 21 and 29. Four touchdowns, of course, no picks. Uh, you know, n- never got. I know that the 
the Bears will say they had eight hurries, or the stats say the Bears had eight hurries, but I it just remember. didn't seem like there was a there was like no consistent pass rush throughout the no, game, no. and that's where a lot you know where the team is really supposed to be good. Obviously, not having Hicks hurts, but come on, uh, it was just so easy for Rodgers. Like it was comical, dude. Like they would show on that last fourth down conversion or one of the last ones. It was just like a quick read, like little out. A uh, little like out route to the flat for the tight end. You're just watching it like this is like you know playing Madden on rookie or something. It was just yep. so easy for Rodgers. Everything the whole night. Uh, to me, I was really most disappointed by the defense in this game. Offensively, it's like well, you know, it's Mitch. Like, what are you really gonna do? <laughs> like, no one is uh, so delusional at this point that they think that Mitch still has some. A great untapped potential on this Bears offense, but the defense is supposed to be the bread and butter of the team. The defense is where a lot of the draft picks have gone, a lot of the salary cap money has gone, and they looked pathetic. I mean, they looked really, really bad. It was really bad. Sometimes the Bears will do this thing where they give up an early touchdown and they buckle down. So they give up that first score, which is just kind of the softest, no, like it was no problem marching down the field. And then for some reason, on third down in the red zone, they rush three, drop eight, uh, Khalil Mack on a delayed blitz, Robert Quinn out in coverage, and just like Rodgers just sit, sits back there and pats the football until Devontae Adams uncovers. Meanwhile, Devontae Adams, they scheme him up against Danny Trevathan and, and an injured buster screen all night, and the Bears make no adjustment to that whatsoever. It's like, what are we what are we doing here? Like what what can we hang our hat on? I, look, my role as a Bears fan is to be irate at another wasted great effort by the defense. And so I'm extra hurt tonight that like the offense was, you know, frustrating and terrible and actually put up more points than I've seen before. Again, I think that's all mirage points, but but like that's not really the point. The point is that the defense was the worst part of this game. I, they did everything a defense can do poorly. They did it, and I'm not used to seeing that. And so it begs the question of, uh, especially given like the broken, like non tackling and, you know, not making simple plays and getting pushed around, like, is the defense quitting on Matt Nagy? I guess we have to ask that question. Uh, you know, when your nickelback leads you in tackles, Buster Screen, 13 tackles today, 10 solo tackles, I'm going to say that's typically a bad sign. Uh, and you mentioned the Packers picking on Buster Screen. Uh, a moment ago and you know that's really becoming a theme Uh, multiple teams week after week now picking on the Bears nickelback the Bears don't really seem to have a way to game plan to stop that and it's just a gigantic issue like uh, is certainly like not all his fault I think it's you know a product of the pass rush not getting there a lot of the times it's a product of teams being able to rip the Bears on play action situations but the defense was just so disappointing man it's like you know, if this is supposed to be one of the better units in the league, Jesus Christ, did it not look like it in this game? It looked so easy for the Packers. Like, there's the sort of thing where early in the season when the Bears played the Giants or um, later on when they're they're slated to play Jacksonville. It's the sort of thing where you go, you know, uh, I expect to win that game, and I really don't expect it to be our toughest test. And I think if you're playing the Bears now, you just have to kind of like sit back and wait for them to make the mistakes, which they're going to make pretty early. You don't have to wait long and slide your way to an easy victory and smile on the sideline. Like this is a a losing football team. And I was talking to my dad earlier 
that I'm like, hey, I think, and, you know, if you've listened to this pod at all the last few weeks, this isn't big news, but I think they need to fire everyone all the way up the ladder. Like it's time to burn the ladder all the way up to Ted Phillips. Um, and the reason I say that is not because it's been an outright disaster from day one and blow it up and these guys are all shit. None of that. I think it's much more about you have to aggressively make the transition to what's next because this is obviously a long, slow fade to oblivion. And, you know, we see these shots of Ryan Pace up in the upper, in the uh, in his box, shaking his head at what he's seeing on the field. And, you know, he wonders how it happened. You know, he had great ideas and positive thoughts, and it's really, really hard to put together an NFL football team and the fortune it requires and the good fortune to pick the right player or to have a guy fall to you and all that stuff along the way. Um, I think at the end of the day, you can kind of look at the product on the field and say that his approach to building a team was flawed in an era of insane offense. Uh, you don't actually have to have a good defense in order to win. You need to have a couple of pass rushers to get out the field on critical downs in the way that the Chiefs do, in the way that the Rams do. You need perhaps one good cornerback and one good pass rusher, and you can kind of like stitch the rest together, hopefully. Um, you, what you need is a really good offense. And so he uh, put all of his assets into a defense and a, a single quarterback, uh, never drafted another quarterback to develop, to develop around him, to challenge him in any sort of way. And you look at what's going on in the field. You have an aging defense that isn't playing well. You have a draft pick uh, at quarterback who's going to leave town, who's a complete bust. You have a veteran you traded – uh, for who is now on the team next year, you traded draft capital and salary cap money for, and you don't think he's the guy going forward. You need to replenish the offensive line. You need to overhaul various position groups, and you're probably not going to be the guy to do that. Oh no! By the way, your coach, who you know somehow won the coach of the year award in his first year, as soon as the league figured him out, it's been all stop ever since it's just been shuffling the deck and trying new things and switching play callers and swapping out running backs and swapping out quarterbacks i have never seen so many deck chairs get shuffled around on the deck of the titanic i think anybody who's looking at this in a sober sort of way right now has to say that the bears are out of options for things to do to try to fix this save for people losing their jobs I would like to welcome Robert Quinn to the Hall of Terrible Chicago Sports Free Agent Signings as Good well. Good Lord. Uh, he's 30 years old. He had 10, 10 years of experience. This is his 10th year. Signed a five-year, $70 million deal coming into this season. Zach, would you would you take a venture to guess how many sacks Robert Quinn has this season? Does he still have the one he had in the first play of the season? He has one. Yes, exactly. One. You took it right out of my mouth. Uh he was signed to give the Bears a competent edge rusher next to on the other side of Cleo Mack after Leonard Floyd couldn't really live up to his sizable potential with the Bears. Floyd leaves town, has enjoyed a pretty good, damn good season with the Rams. I think Leonard Floyd will probably be in for a big payday eventually. Uh, meanwhile, Robert Quinn got that payday and he has done nothing the entire year. So that's been miserable to watch. I totally agree with you on just how silly sort of the allocation of money to this roster was in terms of like, you know, you only have so much salary cap space to build a team with. And, uh, you know, the way they divvied it up, just going 
with all the money to Mac and Quinn, not getting a ton of production there. I'm still a Mac defender. There were a couple times in this game. I mean, it happens every game where Mac is just blatantly held. They don't call it, but mm-hmm. you know that's just the fact of fact of life for Khalil Mac. Uh, but regardless, it's like there is just nothing electric about this roster construction whatsoever. And I know the defense has performed pretty well in all the all-in-one stats up to this point in the season, but come on, dude. Like, you saw what they look like against a legitimate offense tonight, and they had no freaking chance. So this was uh, a game to me, and I'm curious your thoughts on this. To me, like, the season is just over. Mm-hmm. You lose five in a row. You were five and one. Now you're five and six. Me and you went through the schedule last week. You know, we could go through it again today if we want to, but the next game's the Lions. Maybe they win that game, maybe. Mm-hmm. But then you go down and it's like, huh, I guess they could beat Jacksonville because Jacksonville is one win. I thought they were going to be able to beat the Texans, but now the Texans just smoke the Lions. The Texans have a couple wins in a row. Uh, this just seems like a team that's kind of like walking the plank. And we said on the last episode, you, you know, when we were naming things that we were looking forward to seeing, for the rest of the season. I wanted to see if the Bears had any fight coming into this game because uh, if you were to just go by, you know, the the schedule and the standings, the Bears actually did have something to play for coming into this game. Like, if they would have won this game, they really could have flipped the odds of their season uh, towards potentially getting into the playoffs, making some noise. While they are far from eliminated at five and six, it certainly feels like the season is over. And I just did not really see much fight, especially defensively today. I know they're missing their best player. I know the Packers' offense is really damn good. But, I mean, Jesus, guys. Like, not being able to stop the run, not being able to get off the field on third down, not being able to put any pressure on the quarterback, not being able to get any turnovers. It's just pathetic, man. And uh, for a unit that's supposed to be one of the better in, better better units in the league, I feel like they really got exposed tonight. Well, you, you talk about what we said last week, and I think that context is really, really important right now. What we said was that the Bears are coming into their rivalry game off of four straight losses, off of a bye, in a a chance to either save their season or kill their season, in a referendum on the coaching staff and the changes they've made, in a referendum on a front office and the decisions they've made. It sort of all hinges on this Green Bay game, not to mention that the McCaskies take a particular umbrage to losing to the Packers and what that rivalry means in Chicago. It all felt like this is the most critical game of the year and maybe one of the most critical non-playoff games of the entire tenure of Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. And they were no-shows. They were no-shows for the first two quarters, maybe even a little further if you want to go that far. It was 28-3. to It was a boat race. Um, And that's, I think, the most disheartening thing for me, which is that, you know, had they shown up and fought and been outclassed down the stretch, I wouldn't have felt very good about it. But at least you could have pointed to the, the apparent realization that this is, you know, put up or shut up time. And for the Bears to come out and just look like a JV team uh, ver- against the the Packers, it, I don't know, man. It makes me not like football. It's not just the Bears. <laughs> like I don't want to tune into these games anymore because uh, the product is so substandard and the negativity is so rife. And uh, you know, because of you know, you host a Bulls podcast and I listen to the the I watch the Bulls all the time. I talk about them a lot. Like it's getting those Garpaxy vibes of. 
no matter what's going on, there's sort of like a slant towards negativity, an expectation for failure, um, and just a kind of a cynical outlook on the way things are done and the way business is done. And, you know, Ryan Pace is a good looking dude who's young and says the right things and isn't as combative with the media. Same thing with Nagy. But the result is kind of reaching a similar place where it's like, I think the ball is just rolling downhill. And no matter what efforts they might be able to put in, um, I don't think any of this is salvageable. Am, am I just the most cynical, negative fuck in the world? Like, you tell me. Well, I saw a tweet today from Aaron Schatz, which was my second favorite tweet in the night. He's a football outsiders guy. He tweeted, Chicago isn't the worst team in football, but damn, are they the most soul-sucking, least fun to watch. And I feel like that really hits the nail on the head. That's coming from someone with a national perspective, someone who hasn't, you know, been just watching this one franchise repeat the same mistakes over and over and over and over for their entire lives. Uh, this They give you no hope. This game gave me no hope today. You know, when we did this podcast last time, we were like, ah, let's, let's talk about a few things that, uh, you know, uh, have been encouraging. And it's like, man, I don't know. Like, Roquan Smith kind of played like shit this game. Like, I didn't really see much Roquan Smith. Uh, Cole Komet, I mean, Jesus. Didn't look great. On the first possession, should have had a touchdown. The Bears should have scored a touchdown on the next play of that, too, when Allen Robinson, it would have been a tough catch, but he drops it. It's happened to him too many times this year. It has. Uh, I think the Komet one was even more unforgivable because that is, like, literally a touchdown, and he just couldn't hold on. And if it would have been ruled a catch, he would have fumbled it, which is the second time that this has happened to him. And then there's a play late in the game where, you know, I'm curious what your thoughts on this play were, if you can recall the exact one, but Komet's streaking down the field. Trubisky lofts it up to him. Seems like it could be a catchable ball. Komet, for no reason, spins in a circle and then acts like it was a wild overthrow when if he would have just ran and put his hands out, that's probably a touchdown. Instead, he showed zero spatial awareness. He was just, you know, spinning around looking for nothing. And that was really disappointing to me, too. It's like, man, I can't even get, like, a cool young offensive weapon. Instead, there is just, uh, there's no hope here. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world, with more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visiting Indeed each month. 73% of job, okay. Uh, according to Comscore, total visits. So it's clear Indeed can help get you the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash 
Blue Wire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to indeed.com slash blue wire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. I definitely put that throw on on Trubisky. He threw it over the wrong shoulder and you know he had pressure in his face. So um Komet was open going off to the wide side and kind of like put his hand up in that direction and the ball went up and Komet didn't really adjust to it amazingly, uh, to your point, but it was just a shitty throw from Mitch. Um, I don't know if that was uncatchable, if it's like uh, a really like lithe wide receiver who has that athleticism to like, you know, shift and, and you know, relocate the ball. Uh, it just was gross. And um, it's just sort of like life with Mitch, right, where – one thing goes right. You know, every play feels like three miracles have to, like, happen together in order to convert it. When the reality is, and by the way, um, I think we should probably shout out the offensive line tonight. Like, they weren't bad. They really weren't that bad. There were three sacks. Um, I didn't I didn't see what I'd seen against Foles. And, you know, Mitch broke out of the pocket a little bit, but he... He had pockets to step up in, and he didn't, which is a Mitch thing. He threw off his back foot constantly, which is a Mitch thing. But, like, the run game was good. The The run game was, was actually quite good. It was only 16 attempts because of the score. But for 122 yards, that's a 7.6 average. And I know it's juiced by, um, by Montgomery's one long run, but that's sort of how averages work. Like, the long ones count, too. Um, I thought they actually had a pretty good game given what we've seen from them in previous weeks where the Bears were entirely non-competitive, you know, largely because of them. So if Foles is in this game, does it look any different? I don't think so because I think the real problem is the overall scheme that we're, you know, that we're seeing. Like the Bears are in the red zone in the first half when the game is still competitive and there's just like three plays. So the first play is like a, to have Mitch pull the ball and run. First of all, Mitch has a bad shoulder, so great call in the first place. But there's two defenders right there, so Mitch falls down for a yard. Second play is a naked bootleg. Mitch has got somebody right in his face, and the throw is to Allen Robinson, who gets lit up even on an incomplete pass. And the third down's a no-go. It's just like the overall design of this offense doesn't scheme people up uh, in a way that like effectively maximizes their skill sets on any sort of regular basis. So... And and again, I talk about the canary in the coal mine a lot. Like, here are the things we can look at that indicate the quality of the coaching. One, one is the third quarters. The third quarters, man. The, the Bears had zero points in the third quarter again today. I think they scored seven points in the third quarter all year. Um, there was 14 points, but one of them was Cordero Patterson's uh, return touchdown. So I'm not going to give Nagy the credit for that. Fuck me. They, they can't score in the third quarter, which means they can't make in-game adjustments. It's always looking at things after the fact, saying we should have done this, should have done that. Players that leave this team go on to other teams and find success, and that to me is like the most glaring thing. Like Trey Burton, Adam Shaheen, um, you can't have players that you spent lots of money and capital on uh, go on to find their success elsewhere. You can't effectively evaluate your own talent because you don't put anyone in a position to succeed. Meanwhile, you pay top dollar to bring guys into this system because they had success in other systems, and you get a Jimmy Graham who is just like wasted. 
Um, not that he, I think he's any great shakes, but like he's barely seeing the field these days. And I think that's a constant for the Bears, which is spending tons of money for guys that they get no return on. And at the same time, letting guys walk out the door that all of a sudden are, are finding their place in the league. And so, you know, uh, it, it's been a while. This has been a long kind of road to lose faith in Nagy. You know, first it was as a, uh, in-game with timeouts and challenges and stuff like that, knowing what to do. And then it was trust in the kickers and the way they ran that fiasco of a field goal kicking competition that was almost like a PR stunt. Um, and, and and then, you know, the offensive scheming and then the offensive play calling and the Cordero Patterson runs and, you know, him thinking up galaxy brain red zone looks that had no chance to succeed. It's been a long run here. And I do feel like this happens to coaches in the NFL where, like, the water just keeps rising and everywhere they turn, they just can't help but make a mistake. And God bless the guy. He seems like a great guy. There's no question he wants to do it, um, that he wants to succeed. And you can see it sort of wearing on him. I don't know about you, but seeing his eyes, like his beady eyes, <laughs> stick out underneath a cap, underneath a, a hat, and, like, uh, above a face mask, I'm just like, this dude... I think if they gave out masks that covered eyes too, he'd be thrilled to wear it. I can't believe that we went this long in the podcast, Zach, without talking about what a great week of practice the Bears oh had my God. coming into this game. As soon as I heard that, man. like, Ugh. So I'm like the last person to join sports gambling. I would have like emptied my damn bank account that the Bears were not going to cover eight and a half in this game. I mean, there was no chance. And then as soon as the best week of practice line came out, it's like, can I get one of those things where you like, you know, du you double the line? I guess the Bears would have covered the double line, right? You can. You can. You can uh, bet whatever line you want at better odds. I sure. mean, Jesus, dude. The best line of practice or the, the best week of practice is just the ultimate kiss of death line. It's the Trestman. And it's the uh, Mark Trestman Memorial Trestman uh, Coaching Award. Trestman said it all the time. All Boylan the time. said it all the time. I tweeted a, a Boylan-Nagy comparison today where like they hilarious. both just got smoked in the third quarter constantly. The Bulls' net rating in the third quarter last year was like the worst in the league, and they were like somewhat decent in the other three quarters. They were at least like uh, around average. And then the third quarter, they were the worst in the league, and they would just get killed. The parallels with this Bears team are just so similar because it, it happens every single week out of the locker room, out of halftime. The Bears are getting crushed in the third quarters. Uh, it's just a sign of a, a very poorly coached team. I actually think that the offense looks better in Bill Lazor's hands. I'm curious if you think that, uh, you know, it's a little better, about the same, or it's if it marginal, doesn't mar Yeah, it's doesn't marginally better. better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. It's it's marginally better, um, not to the point of saying, well, this is a demonstrative difference. I think the overall, what was it Tariko was saying? I was like, that really resonates. He's like, you ever go to a restaurant where it's like, you can have Italian, you can have Chinese, you can have Americans. Like, the Bears run a lot of stuff, um, none of it well. And I think nobody, nobody wants to go to that restaurant. Like you want to go to a restaurant where they do a few things really fucking well and they know that they do them well and they build everything around that. And that really resonated. Like that's what this offense feels like. And I think for a number of weeks, people were saying just throw out a half the playbook. You don't need this stuff. Like you don't need to have special exotic looks all the time. You need to figure out what you can do well and run it all the time. And so 
you know, you're in a really tough spot. Um, at this point, I think they should be transitioning to evaluate young talent. Uh, unfortunately, they don't have a lot of developmental talent to evaluate. Um, Anthony Miller, they keep, you know, Darnell Mooney seems to be a focal point of the offense at this point, which I think is a condemnation of the coaching staff and the way they're trying to do business. Uh, he needs to be like a deep threat where they take a couple shots a game, not like this focal point. Uh, Cole Komet, you know, he's a little more involved and like Jimmy Graham is being taken out. Demetrius Harris has already been taken out, um, you know, or like his snaps reduced to near nothing. So uh, I, I don't know really what to tell you in terms of what they should be doing next besides they're playing for their jobs every single week. And so I guess we should just do this uh, every single week because it's all, you know, I talk about um, Ricky. Scale of 1 to 10, 1 being couldn't be more secure in their job, 10 being launched on a catapult out of town. Uh, what is your number for Negi right now, and what is your number for Ryan Pace? So is this what I believe should happen or well, that's what like I a believe will Yeah, happen? okay. So that should happen, I know, is a 10.5 on both for you. So that's an easy answer. What do you think will happen yeah. based on where we are today? Well, what I'm going to say is if the Bears win fewer than seven games, I think they'd probably get fired. Like if they start five and one and end six and ten, mm. they will probably both be fired, I would guess. Uh, and you mentioned that the McCaskies don't like losing to Green Bay. They also play Green Bay the last game of the season this year. By yes, that point, do. you got to figure neither team will have anything to play for uh, the way this is shaping up. So we'll see how that goes. But I do think that, you know, if they go six and ten, there's going to be a very, very, very strong case to fire them, and even seven and nine. And now, of course, I think they should be fired regardless of how this string plays out. But I guess I'll say, you know, I think it's trending more towards firing than it ever has been before. Huh? I guess that's what happens when you lose five games in a row. That's so I'll say that they're at maybe a six right now, uh, at least what I perceive the, you know, the ownership group to to do. I I'm, I'm going to go to seven only because the first like amongst the first few questions at the press conference tonight was about how Nagy feels about his job security. So, you know how a regional narrative will start to establish itself, and what what begins to be said in the Twitter sphere or amongst you know the the maniac fans like you and I fire them all. These guys suck. I need to move on. For it to be not just a, a mainstream media conversation point and something you'll see in beat articles which we've been seeing now for a couple of weeks as this losing streak has taken part now you're getting direct questions to Nagy um right after the game on how he feels about his job security so we're reaching you know defcon 3 for sure and perhaps defcon 2 and i guess that means we should transition to looking at the schedule and seeing what we have to come so the bears lose tonight to the packers to send them to 5 and 6 a result you and I both predicted last week. The Lions with new coach Daryl Bevel after having cleaned house of their coach, Matt Patricia, and GM. Um, I mean, he's fired. Do I have to remember his Who name? Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. They Sorry, guy that got fired. Uh, Bob Quinn? That's what I'm going to say. That might not be right, but I'm going to say that. Uh, okay, so they play the, the Lions in Chicago next week. You got to think, given everything that's happened, that and the way this goes, which is at right when the Bears are at their worst and they're losingest, and like the best you can hope for is firings, is they're gonna fucking win this game and they'll actually play pretty good. Can I'm I would put my money down right now if I could. You, 
Yeah, I don't know. Like, do the Lions get the new coach bump? Like, you see that in sports sometimes when the new coach comes in and wins their first game. Uh, I would think the Bears probably win this game. I agree with you. Uh, but I, I'm not terribly confident anymore. Oh, no, I, I would not suggest confidence in any sort of thing whatsoever. I know I just said bet a lot of money on it, but um, no, I, I don't think the Bears do any sort of thing in the way that they play football right now where you can confidently say, this is what I think is going to happen, especially as it pertains to winning. But let's just see what the early line is for next week. And again, it's going to be a, you know, a noon start in Chicago, maybe perhaps bad weather. It's just going to be a Bears like, you know, it's going to be the Fox, like, C team, D team, F team. Like, it, it, we're not going to see anything uh, of any of any sort of, like, import or significance or national spotlight, which means the Bears are going to win. It's just kind of how these things go. So let's just say they, they get off the schneid finally. They've lost five straight. I would expect some desperate play. They get to six and six. Then it's the Texans the following week, and you had that penciled in for a win. No longer. Would you like to <laughs> change that to an to an L yeah, now? Let me change that to an L. Okay, so that effectively puts them at six and seven, and then they go to Minnesota to play the Vikings. The Vikings just barely beat the Carolina Panthers today. I mean, it, it they they should have lost on two separate occasions. They should have, you know, the Bears had every opportunity to uh, beat them. The defense played a hell of a game uh, just before the bye. Uh, and so you have to say that that's a coin flip game. Uh, I don't think Minnesota's any great shakes. But again, when you're struggling the way the Bears are, it's not like you can count on anything. So that's a coin flipper right there. Then you have the Jags, who are 1-10 in 10 and fired their GM today. Not their coach, but just their GM. Who knows? Maybe have him see out the rest of the season. I don't know what the plan is there. But Mike Glennon almost led them to victory today against the Browns. Um, I'd like to call that a win. I'm just going to do that for the sake of the, the pod and general positivity and being a Bears fan. So let's say they win. They lose, lose to the Vikes, win against the Jags. How's that sound? Sure. Sure. And then that leads you into... Uh, it gives you a seven and eight record going into your final game against the Packers in Chicago for a seven and nine or eight and eight record. You have to just think that no matter how these games, you know, play out, if they all play out as losses, and I think this is already done, but if the bears are in that like seven and 90 kind of spot and then, or, you know, seven and eight, seven and nine kind of spot, and then lose like embarrassingly to the Packers on the last day of the season. It, the schedule lines up really poorly narrative wise for Nagy. I'll just say that. The wait is finally over. Football is back. I mean, it's been back for a while, but now it's extra back. You might not be at a game this year, although you might. They just keep rolling them in there every week. There seems to be 2,000 more people sneaking in. But you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Sorry, tangent. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. 
You can be like me, where you bet a four-team teaser and feel awesome about it and win the first three games, and then unknowingly, Aaron Rodgers shits the bed against the Buccaneers, and your teaser dies again, and you live to play another day. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, I was going through the standings while you were reading that off, and one thing I noticed, the Bears are tied for the eighth worst point differential in the NFL right now. So no uh, I think that if the draft were today, the Bears would pick number 14. They are not, you know, uh, in the dead middle of the league in terms of performance this year. Like, they're much closer to one of the worst teams in the league this year than uh, being an average team. So, and- so want to play a quick game before we go. I'm just going to name NFL football teams. And if I said you could just swap rosters and like just swap the helmets out, I just want to know who, if like, if you would actually make this switch and not just for the sake of switching it, but actually like evaluating, no, no, like the bears, the bears aren't great, but at least it's not X or Y Detroit lions. Uh, You know, I feel like there's a lot of things that go into this, such as long-term salary cap outlook, which, by the way, the Bears are terrible there. Terrible. It's, it's part guys. of it. It is part of it. Yeah, they have a lot of these guys locked in for a long time. So I'm not going to pretend to know what the cap sheet looks like for any of these other teams. But no, I will no, no. say the Bears have slightly more hope than the Lions. But at least the Lions fired their shitty coach. So now I'm talking myself out, talking myself out of it. However, I will say Bears in a better situation than the Lions. I don't feel confident about saying it, but let's go with okay. it. Okay, so Maddie Stafford isn't enough to like, you know, change the game. You're like, hey, we'd have a quarterback at least. Everything else would suck, but we'd have him. Okay, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. Wow, they seem decidedly Bears like this year, oh, right? Where like yeah. everything is just a disaster, top to bottom. Went awful. At least they took a QB in the second round in Jalen Hurts, and supposedly he's going to get more snaps in their next game. So I guess we'll see how that goes, but. Uh, I would say that the Eagles probably have more talent on their roster top to bottom than the Bears. Yeah, no, I, I think I'd agree with that. I think I would take that switch, and um, at least you have two quarterbacks to work with, and your cap sheet isn't fucked going forward. Um, the Boy, the, okay, so the Jets. The Jets is a no for me. Yeah, that's a no for me for sure, but like now are we like giving them Trevor Lawrence? Yes, we are. And, you know, it's the Jets, so they'll probably win a game, and then they'll have to go to Jacksonville. So, you <laughs> it's know, very like, possible. We can't but totally write it in yet. But you're right, though, which is like these are these teams are the dregs. And so whether it's Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, they're going to have a top pick. The Jets have boatloads of cap space. They've got a new GM. They're going to can Adam Gase, who is one of the most effective, like tanking coaches in the history of football. I don't I don't blame them for not firing him. He just racks up L's week in, week out. Um, Obviously, the Bears have so much more talent and so many more good guys on the team. But when you think about future outlook, you have to at least sit there and consider it. I think um, this this is a weird one, but like the Falcons would be a decidedly difficult choice for me because they're in a similar place of having spent premium money on a losing team that doesn't look to be improving anytime soon. And so, like, what is the path forward for that team? I don't fucking know. Dude, if uh, Matt Ryan was a Bears quarterback, like, we would have handed him the key to the city already, right? Like, they haven't had the... Now, Matt Ryan is not... He's been so bad this year. I feel like he's been, like, very Folesian. 
Okay, I was going to say, like, I don't consider him an elite quarterback, but he would so clearly be the greatest Bears quarterback ever. Yes. Yeah, he probably would. By, like, 10 miles. No question. I think, it like, especially if you get, like, his previous performances. Obviously, he was an MVP MVP one year. Yeah, Yeah, like the Kyle Shanahan year when he was the uh, the OC over there. But, like, going forward – doesn't he's like a statue in the pocket and the NFL is going to this place where you need to have a quarterback that runs like a four three like a jitterbug uh in order to have an effective offense. I mean, you know, the Rams I think are a really good football team run by a really good football coach and Jared Goff isn't really good, but he does just enough to like make that thing work. Um but I don't find him to be a particularly good quarterback. I don't I don't know what to say. Like would you, you know, uh, would you switch with the Raiders? Uh, as much as I love Josh Jacobs, I'm thinking probably not, but I don't really know enough about, about uh, their, their, their team. Yeah. I don't really know enough there. I, I will would, say I though, there the was switch. one thing that brought me a little bit of joy tonight. There were two things, Zach. So Give I'm me. sorry to interrupt you. The no, first one do. was the sick Jalen Johnson hit that was really clean, just a shoulder to the top of the chest, laid a guy out, stood over him a little bit. So that was awesome. Jalen Johnson looks really good. Clearly learned from Kyle Fuller, by the way. Like, you like to see that. That was a great hit. The other thing that really made me happy is when the broadcast team said, next week Aaron Rodgers turns 37. Yeah, and the great Harris. I saw him. I don't know why that caught me off guard. Like I knew he was about that age, but man, thirty-seven. It's like, well, I guess he could probably do this conceivably for like three, four more years, probably still. Uh, but all right, he's thirty-seven. He's getting kind of to the end of the line here, and that <laughs> gave me a little bit of optimism. Unfortunately, this isn't like a president where like you can just count on after four years or eight years, the guy's going to be gone. Like the problem with the Packers is right around the time you go, all right, this guy's starting to suck. Like he's old enough to start to suck a little bit and be a little bit of a liability. They've developed some first round pick, you know, and this is going to be well, Hart. What's the guy's name? Love. Uh, Love right. Eh, that was close. Um, yeah. Jordan Love. Yeah. Yeah. So he's just going to, I mean, like, I did we see a shot of him tonight? Nothing, right? This dude is just going to develop behind the scenes. Like, when Rodgers got drafted by the Packers, I was thrilled. I was like, this guy from Cal who carries the ball up by his shoulder all weird and no team wanted him and he fell in the draft and the Packers scooped him up. Whatever. We just got to get Favre out of there and then we'll they'll know what we all know which is it's really hard to have a mediocre quarterback in the league meanwhile Rodgers comes in immediately as the mvp and they win a super bowl and i just realized it was going to be the next 20 years of my life so i am not going to count on the aging out of aaron Rodgers, despite the fact that he's got grays all over his his uh goatee and that makes me feel really old just for having been around for his entire career and seeing him be such an old head but um if the packers do this three times in a row man like, if they really develop another all-pro quarterback after Rodgers and it's, you know, far to Rodgers to love, I'm just, like, looking at my own life. I'm like, damn, dude, I'm going to be, like, 50. I've wasted th- my, my sporting <laughs> life. <laughs> I'm going to be 50 before we have another crack at a bad Packers QB. I haven't seen one yet. I'm totally okay with the Packers having a good quarterback if we can have one, too. I just, just give me, We've like. We've reached bargaining, folks. We are deeply into bargaining. Like, I, there's, man, 
it's it's rough. Tonight was rough. Tonight was rough, and and like that like colors everything that I'm talking about. But I'm looking. I'm just looking at a picture of the other teams in the NFL, Ricky. Just like on my screen, here are all the teams in the NFL. And whether it's a team that's already of a certain level of good or it's a team that's so bad that they're going to get a draft pick and make switches and all that kind of stuff, they're like, I want to be a fan of just about any other team. I can't even point to the damn Redskins anymore and be like, well, at least I don't root for a racial epithet. That's just football team, so even that's there. I can't be a Lions fan because the Lions perpetually suck. I feel like there's a lot of solidarity there except they're Lions and I just have to hate them. Uh, the, the Jets and the Jaguars, they suck. They suck terribly. They're unwatchable, but they're supposed to, and they're going to have a great draft pick. The bears have too much talent and it, the product on the field, like you, you know, like Aaron Schatz's tweet, it's just an unwatchable product. Um, and so it's expectations versus reality. I think it's the most skewed thing in the league. Uh, and here we are. Here we are doing this again, 11 games into the 2020 season, where even with our little moments of hope and our optimistic you know, outlook going into the season, and certainly after six games, here we are back in negative land, just fucking chopping it up, talking about all the things that suck on this team. I'm tired of it. Dude, over the last two seasons, I've you know jumped in to help you do this podcast. I swear we've talked about one or two wins. We haven't talked about one this year. Since I've come on, just been lost, 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 lost. It's the Ricky curse. You know, I wish I had that much power, my man, but I think that it might just be that the Bears suck ass. Yeah, I think that's the the more likely scenario. Um, any final thoughts before we uh, get the hell out of here for the night? Feels like the season's over to me. Feels like there's yep. not much to look forward to. And I talked about my second favorite tweet of the night. My favorite tweet of the night was from a Packers fan, Vodka Lemonades, at Vodka Lemonades. She said, I'm a pacifist, but I want the Bears to die. And I thought, you know, I'm a Bears fan, and I also want the Bears to die. So I really felt like that captured the mood well for me. Uh, you know, we, we do these pods, and we talk about sports because we enjoy them. I, I promise that's the case. Um I know it doesn't sound that way. I know it really doesn't sound that way tonight, but I really do love football. I really do love the game. I like the product. I like the players. I like to talk about the nuances of individual plays that win and lose games. And so when it comes to a a point where my dad texts me at halftime to say that uh, he's got bad gas and he wants to go to bed because of this, when all of my texts to friends, Bears friends, are all just sort of like, incredulous lols and you know it's so bad that it's funny uh is the general tenor of things i just want like just competence just like competitive competence and especially on the offensive side of the football so um i guess i'll just have to keep hoping for that and whether it's next week or next year or next decade or next lifetime that's sort of the story of being a bears (laughs) fan um i i am really aware of the fact that national Sports writers, national podcasters, national pundits kind of have taken Bears fans into their hands to say, like, this sucks. I'm really sorry. So I know that it's not just us kind of moaning into the void, uh, knowing that, like, 
it sucks for us and nobody gets it. I think anybody who watches this team, whether they're a fan or not, understands that it's unwatchable and difficult and really frustrating if you like the sport of football. So I feel the solidarity there. Um, will it be enough to make demonstrative changes uh, to this team going forward into the next season? We'll see. But it does feel like time is running short. So uh, that's enough for one night, I think. Uh, a terrible loss to the team's worst rival or best rival or chief rival. I think that's the best way to put it. 41-25 to 25 in a game that wasn't particularly close. The Bears dropped to 5-6. and six. Ricky, your string of losses continues. Congratulations. The stink is still there. Will you be back to defend it against the Lions next week? Uh, as always, let's, let's play by ear. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming on, buddy. Sorry for another bad one. Go Bears, baby. Go Bears. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.